Welcome to the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast, hosted by myself, Sebastian Bates, and Timothy Fair-Matthews. A podcast made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. We're launching our podcast with a series of raw but real interviews with some of the world's leading business mentors, industry experts, and entrepreneurs with incredible stories. Our goal is to inspire, educate, and entertain. So if it's your first time joining us, make sure you go back to episode one and don't miss a thing as you listen to incredible insights from our speakers. This is the Round Pegs Square Holes podcast. Hello, guys. Welcome back to today's live interview. I'm here today with Mary Grant, founder of Mary Grant, which is a ladies' fashion garments company. Um, you're a best-selling author, Mary, and you've been featured in the Irish Times and Irish Independent many times. Um, today, we're actually going to go into a lot of detail on how Mary rapidly pivoted her retail business online. So it's all part of the Inspiring Pivots series, uh, which is designed to give you a dose of inspiration um, if you are trying to pivot your business online as a small business. So Mary, welcome. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Seb. How are you? I'm very well. I'm good. Excited good. To, to dive into this with you. I think, uh, I think it's a very inspiring story, which I think a lot of our viewers are going to really enjoy. So okay. thank you so much for, for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, thanks. So, um, so tell me, Mary, what was, um, what is it that brought you to doing what you do? What brought you to creating Mary Grant in the first place? Um, well, from a very young child, I was always making things. So, um, all like anything, it could have been anything, but I just got really interested in making clothes and I was fascinated by how they were constructed and how the pieces all fit together and all the rest. So, um, I didn't go to college until I was 22. Um, like everybody that I knew at the time, I just got out and I got a job and then just the bug bit. And I went to college for two years and set up my own business from there. But it was never my plan to, to design collections. I always just wanted to be able to um, be at home if I had a family, had kids and just make clothes. So it kind of snowballed once I got to college. I got a little bit more ambitious. Amazing. So college for how long? For three years or? Um, for two years. Um, yeah, two years. Um, it was enough to get me going. Um, mm. It was enough to give me the confidence to get going. I think I probably knew quite a lot before I got to college. So I just needed, I needed just, I just needed the things to get me started. So um, I pretty much started my own label straight away after I left college. Wow. Um, yeah, I just got lucky with, I got I fell in with somebody who had done, um, she had tutored us a little bit in college and I, I went and I started banging on her door saying, let me come in and give me some work <laughs> experience. So I got in with her and from the tips and advice that she gave me, I was able to get my first collection going. So yeah, kind of, yeah, it just kind of wow. happened quite organically. So, so how, how long ago was that now from the, from when you first started your own label and you, and you were, you know, what, 20, 24 at this stage? I'm going to have to tell a lie now or you're going to know how old I am. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> It'll be 28, 28 years in June since I started my business. Okay, cool. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. And you've, you've been smashing it for 28 years. I love that. That's so cool. Well, um, pivoting a lot, I think, in the 28 years. You know, it's every time you really? hit a roadblock, you have to go, oops, yeah. how am I going to get around this one? So there's been yeah, quite right. a bit of that over the 28 years, I have to say. 
But it's 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 like what you and I were talking about before we went live, you know, becoming a, a bit addicted to problem solving, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, because you've been doing this for so long, this, the second you have some time off, you look for problems to solve. Yes, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Filling every minute with new ideas. Right. It's a way of life. So, um, amazing. So, okay, so, so, so walk me through, just if you could just give me... Um, you know, some of the insights into the previous pivots you've had to do, I think that would be, would be really interesting because ultimately, you know, this is about pivoting rapidly online. Yes. But also, you know, pivoting. So could you give us a bit of an insight into other, other, other pivots you've made? Yeah. So, um, the, the first one I think was probably when my husband and I split up and I had three small kids They were all under the age of five. We had just started, I just started to, um, start exporting. So we were, we, just started to get a foothold in the UK, Canada, Sweden, um, a few places like that. And there was one day that my daughter called me. I was just about to get onto a flight and she was crying. I have a sore throat. I want you. So I pulled my bag off the, pl- the flight and I went home and I pulled, I pulled back from wholesale. That was it. I stopped wholesaling from then on. Um, and I decided I was just going to concentrate on what I could do from home to be with my kids and all the rest. So um, that was probably the first pivot. Um, so I opened a studio in my house um, where the public came in in the afternoon. So it was very often everybody's kids running around and God, there'll be more kids than anything. And the crack was just mighty, you know? And um, yeah. so like customers still talk about that. So it just allowed me to build a really personal experience with my customers, you know, which further down the road was really it would really served me very well. So that was a, that was a wonderful time. Um, the second pivot came, I think the second pivot came. So at that stage we had, um, 13 shops that we would have stocked and we were pretty much, that was, that was saturation for us in Ireland. I wasn't interested in anybody else. They all had their own space, their own area. Um, the second pivot came when I won an award from, uh, Brown Thomas would be the luxury, like it's the Selfridges of Ireland, basically. So they're the same, they're owned by the same company and they're run by the same people. So they gave gave me a ment- mentoring award um, and I moved into their department store for a two-week pop-up and we blew them away with what we did in the two weeks and everybody was going, oh my God, what are you selling? <laughs> so uh, that was amazing. So we, we were there for two weeks. The following month, this, or the following season, they said, would you like to do a pop-up for a month? So I said, okay, we'll do a pop-up for a month. Uh, mm. We got a bigger space on the floor and um, we were there two weeks. And I said, you do know um, if you want me to leave now, you're going to have to throw me out the window because we're not leaving. <laughs> 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 so we stayed for five and a half years. Wow. Um, we went in for a month and stayed for five and a half years. But uh, just after that, the recession really hit us hard. So that was... Yeah. 2009 we went in 2011 was when it really like when my business mm. really felt it at that point a lot of the shops were closing um it was just quite scary uh, you know so i decided okay we'll stop wholesaling altogether we'll just we'll stay in the department store that was working for us um it kept me going i introduced a diffusion line which was it worked so well over um a few seasons before i stopped doing it again um, and then after the five and a half years, I felt like my time was up in the department store. So that's when I opened my own stores. Um, and just be, being the person that I am, I'm just a bit ridiculous at times, but, um, I went into them on October the 
party first. And we're leaving. Um, I had no idea where we were going. Um, they said, well, you know, what about your team? And I said, don't touch my team. My team are coming with me. <laughs> so up until that time, because I just felt so loyal to them. I couldn't even look for a premises while I was still there. So I got yeah. three months notice to move out of, you know, to start looking for somewhere and have moved in. So we moved out on the 28th of January, which was my birthday. It was my worst birthday ever. I was a really <laughs> wreck. <laughs> And we moved into our new premises on the 5th of February and we were open a week later. So, you know, everything, it was speed. It was like, make the decision, move fast, um, no self-doubt. It was like, mm. and I think every, every time you hit a bump in the road, if you, when you figure out, it's like, you probably, you know this, when you figure out the problems, the next time you hit another bump in the road, it's like, that just kicks in straight away. You don't even think about it. You just get on that hat and it's like, okay, I'm just going yeah. to figure this out. So, you know, there was, you know, there was, so it was a few different pivots along the way. Um, so when this one came along, when COVID hit and we had to close our stores, um, yeah, the first couple of weeks were quite scary. Um, mm. And I threw my, actually threw myself into writing um, an online course that first week that we were closed. Mm. So there was nothing coming in. Um, I had to speak to my team. I had to deal with all that. I'd, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to just kind of appro approach this from a from a slower perspective, right? So, 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 okay. when, when, when did you first hear about, um, you know, that, that your stores were closed down? Um, so, for about two weeks before we closed, so say from around the beginning of March, um, I noticed that my team members were starting to get very anxious about going to work. Um. People were starting to fall off. The footfall was starting to disappear. Um, and then on the weekend, just before St. Patrick's Day, so on the 14th of March, which was a Saturday, um, we could hear. So basically where we are in Dublin, you'd, you'd get a lot of tourists typically. And we were starting to hear conversations and starting to hear remarks that we just didn't, we weren't comfortable with, you know, mm. where um, just people were, just not being very pleasant around and the girls were getting really anxious so on the sunday we said okay well what will we do will we just close for a couple of weeks and see how it goes so um that was a decision that we took before we were told to lock down and we closed our two mm. stores that day um and actually wow. just just actually probably i rang the, pe the, the people who own the center that we are in in dublin so it's this beautiful old townhouse it's, it's just the most gorgeous building and i rang them and i said look we, we can't keep trading at the moment. Um, told them what had been going on, the conversations that the girls had overheard, and they actually closed the centre themselves two hours later. So um, that was the start of it around the middle of March. Wow. Mm. Yeah, very, 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 very nerve-wracking. Yes, yeah. Not, not knowing when you may be able to open up again. Mm. And at the time, we thought it was two weeks. Mm. <laughs> you know? how, do you, how do you approach that from a leadership perspective when you've got... A team of, I mean, how many staff did you employ there's, on that day? On that day, there's nine, nine of us, including me. So eight others. Eight others, and yeah. of course they're, they're they're looking to you. This is this is sort of before the government, you know, were were offering furloughing, anything like that. That mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily on the radar at that stage. That came at the end of March. Yes. Um, so when you said, right, we're going to close down, and we don't know when we're going to open back up again, how did you kind of approach that from a leadership perspective? Um, I've always been. 
while I know what my big vision is, I do tend to consult my team on things like that because I don't work in the stores myself. So I would always look for them to be involved in making decisions. So they were very comfortable with that decision at that point. You know, it was they were almost encouraging me to close. But it mm. did take two weeks to get to that point where I was wondering, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do about this. But um, I think they they were at that point before I was. So it was actually quite an easy decision to make when I did make it. That's cool. It's, it sounds like, you know, communication and having that amazing communication and kind of teamwork was already in place, right? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I, I, I always find it interesting to, to interview people who have already been through a recession before, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you're running a business for 28 years and, and going through more than one recession, it's, it's, it's quite amazing. I, I'm, always, I'm always really impressed with that. And going, going through the previous recession, 2000, 2008, 2009, and comparing it to what we're experiencing now, I, I suppose we, you know, we haven't even really started the recession yet. This is just a shock of, mm-hmm. um, of, of uh, you know, the, a global pandemic. But what, what's your kind of um, approach to preparing for a recession? You, you know, you, you've, been, you've been through this before, you know what's coming, how are you getting your business ready for the next two years of you know difficulty? I think I was very lucky. So I'm very lucky now to have the hindsight of the last recession, as you said. <clears throat> and I think I was able to see very quickly what worked in my brand at that time. Mm. Um, and as I said, I mentioned that I started a diffusion line, which was um, kind of a lower price, lower price point. Uh, version of what you know what I do in my main collection so I, I kind of knew coming up to this time that you know if we were heading that direction again that that was that could still be my fallback um, because right. I was able to see how people's lifestyle changed um, how people were um, entertaining at home all that kind of stuff that we're experiencing now even though they can't really entertain at home um, but luckily enough, I had kept that element of my diffusion line within the main collection. So it's still there. And I can see that that's what's working really well for us online now. Amazing. Mm. So I, I don't know if you can see on the right hand side here, but you're getting a lot of a lot of love from all these comments. Oh, thank you so much. I can't <laughs> see anything. It's just as well because hey, I'd be like, Jason Grayson, <laughs> Jason Grayson says, I love Mary Grant. <laughs> so <they're> inspiring. <laughs> Love you back, Jason. <laughs> Tim says, what an inspiring story. Thanks for sharing, Mary. And um, Sabrina says, amazing. Uh, yeah, a lot, a, lot of, uh, a lot of support and interest for your, for your story. Um, definitely, definitely inspiring. And um, so, so we, we've talked a bit about your background. We've talked about, you know, business before the lockdown. We've talked about when the lockdown hit, what, what happened uh, and sort of, you know, what that felt for you and the team. We're now, we're now we're now a week into the lockdown. Let's say what's what um what 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 did you start doing? You mentioned you were, you started to kind of piece together an online course, right? I did. I actually so we locked down on the Saturday, and by Sunday I had brain dumped the contents of a course. Um, it was nothing related to my business. Um, basically, it was just I called it working from home because it, it was what it was. Um, I just felt that so many people had been thrown into a situation that I had quite happily lived in for, you know, the best part of three decades where I was working from home, that I had to have some value to bring to people. So that's what I did. I brain dumped the whole thing and I spent the following week writing it, recording it, 
learning how to use the platform that I hosted it on. Um, I literally completely engrossed myself in it. I'd say the kids probably didn't get two words out of me all week, but that was kind of how I dealt with that whole putting some distance between closing the shops and having to deal with them. So yeah. it wasn't quite burying my head in the sand. It was just putting some distance so that I could start to think more clearly about how to move forward. So that's what I did that week. Amazing. Um, so immediately, you know, you're, you're, you're feeling this threat of losing, of losing what business was, you know, at that stage, not knowing you know, when things go back to normal, but you poured yourself into something creative, which was create, creating this online, creating this online course. Did you ever execute the online course and stick it online and, and start I working? Sure on it? I sure Amazing. did. Yeah. So it's, it's now sure online. Did. It's now online. Um, oh, I put it out there. I said, this is my free gift to anybody who wants to use it. Um, you know, hopefully it'll be of value for some people. So, so between the brain dump, um, that was on Sunday and it went online on the following Friday. I love that. That's, that's mm. amazing. Something, something Jason who's watching now says, says a lot of the time, you know, it's, it's ser serving is, is, you know, just the, the, the kind of the, the best way to go, right? If you're, mm. if you're putting value out there in the world it finds a way of coming back to you in, in some way. So I, I love the fact that as soon as you went through this difficult transition, the first thing you did was how can I help other mm. people? Right? That's what your first thought was how can I help other people? And you put this out for free. I think that's absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously at some point you've got to start generating an income. You've got to start creating revenue uh, to yeah. keep team, uh, to keep the business going. You've, you've got to start to pivot. And there was no sign that shops would open anytime soon, right? Or that mm -hmm. people would, you, you, that you'd have the same footfall being in a touristy location as okay. you previously had. Yeah. So, so, so what was your, what was your more sort of medium term thinking then? Oh, um, the medium term thinking was like all this stock for a new season had just landed. And on the week when our season was, you know, would typically take off and, you know, we'd start paying all the bills and all the rest. Suddenly we were locked down. So it's like, what was quite terrifying. Um, our social media had ground to a halt because my daughter works with me. She's my brand manager at the moment. I have her on loan um, for a few months until she starts doing her master's. But she was working with me, uh, or she's still working with me. But she was like, I'm afraid to go online. So there was this whole thing where people were terrified to show up online. They didn't know what to be saying. They didn't want, they didn't want to come across as being salesy, as trying to mm. sell any products or whatever. So I just said to her, look, just let's just do our thing and... We started showing up on our stories, just acting the clown when we were at work and, you know, just little things that would be going on across the desk. And people really loved it. You know, they're really? like, oh, thank you. You're really, you're really cheering us up. And so there was nothing salesy about it. We weren't promoting our product. We weren't talking yeah. about our product. We were just, oh, here we are at our desk and here we are having our little dance. So we're getting our movements in and just silly stuff like that. Um, and then the sales just started coming in. And we were like, oh, this is great. You know, so once once people started to tell us how much they loved the way we were showing up, we were able to do more of that. Interesting. So mm. so really you were you were just you weren't changing anything. You were just showing you were kind of shedding a light on what you're already doing, right? It was just this is this is us, this is the authentic, transparent, real team, and this is our culture at Mary Grant. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and that, that that created engagement and traction and people just love the kind of behind the scenes of what this exactly. authentic company was doing. Yeah, they just loved it. And then Brona yeah. and I would have great banter anyway because we get on so yeah. well. So, you know, we're like two peas in a pod. So and we do have a great fun working together anyway. So 
Uh, people just yeah. love that. Yeah, that's brilliant. So, so, so tell me what happened next? Um, so what happened next then was just the sales started to come in. So like um, two weeks, so for, two, for the first two weeks after lockdown, there was nothing. It was like, mm. I don't know what we're going to do. There's, you know, there's nothing coming in. Um, at that point, we didn't know that it was going to be extended past the end of March uh, because we thought initially that we were reopening on the 29th of March and obviously that didn't happen. Um, yeah. But then the sales started to come in the following week. So on the third week, sales started to come in and um, by by three weeks after that, we'd, we'd, we'd hit about 50% of what we would do in the two stores together. So... Um, Online, yeah, yeah. Wow, so, so yeah. that's incredible, isn't it? So from from a busy, you know, t- tourist spot location in Ireland, with you know lots of footfall, lots of people coming in and out of your shop, and mm-hmm. of course the big expense of running a shop and having having the rent on that shop, mm-hmm. you managed to pivot online, and you were getting fifty percent of the same revenue that you were yeah. generating. That yeah. a massive shift. Like that's that's a that's a big deal, isn't it? Because yeah. if you, you consider the way you must look at your business now you know if you can if you consider the change mm-hmm. your cost your cost would have shot down no you're no longer you're no longer operating that you know the, the big retail space if this was a separate business you're kind of looking at right from a mm-hmm. from a kind of um outsider's perspective in you know it's, it's almost it's almost like potentially you've you've you your business has evolved into a more profitable business would you would you agree with that yeah it has it has so and now at the t- at this stage i I had to, uh, so Brona, Brona's working with me. I have a son who's at home who's, um, he's studying photography. So now we've roped him in. So he's our fulfillment, wow. our fulfillment person. <laughs> the whole so family is now on board. Yeah, yeah. So, any, any, uh, more, any more talented family members you can just get, you can just yeah, hire in. He's very talented <laughs> at Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> So we haven't find a job for him yet. He cooks the dinners, so we let him off. Oh, cool. <laughs> there you go. I tell him the chef. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like it's kind of, it has got me thinking. So now the next thing, like the next thing on my agenda is um the scheduled dates to reopen our stores are the 9th of June and we can't reopen the one in Dublin until August because that's in a in a shopping mall. So um now it's 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 about how do we reopen the stores in a safe way so mm. um i've been reaching out to other store owners other independents um because you know obviously the department stores and all the big guys the chains will all have their own procedures so i'm just putting heads together now with a few of the small the smaller independents to see yeah. how are we going to do this safely but it has i do think it has encouraged people to shop online. I don't know what it will do when we reopen. Um, I think we just have to figure that out as we're going along. But I do see that there's huge potential for my team members to still speak to customers online and to just basically to show up where where our customers are at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, over here we're we're slightly ahead of the UK in that we were locked down earlier and then we we started to ease the rules off earlier. And I think now you know retail stores they are. They're slowly opening restricted hours, but you know a lot, a lot, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, they check your temperature when you go in, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't for a, for a for a period of time you couldn't do refunds. You couldn't buy something and then you know return it. Uh, that wasn't allowed. But I think I think they're even easing that now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is this is it, isn't it? As one of the many challenges. Unlike a recession, people now have to deal with. Well, hold on. How are you gonna? How do you actually reopen now that you may have a you may have business to go back to? But how do you operate a business? 
mm-hmm. when you you've also got to operate under under this virus, which is still you know out there and airborne, and you know potentially people who visit your shop could have. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it is it is a bit of a challenge that I'm I'm. I think next next week is my week for figuring all that out. So I'm kind of just mm-hmm. chatting to other people at the moment and seeing what. Um, trying to find whatever articles I can online, of, you know, from people that have gone ahead of us and what they're all doing. But there's very little out there. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of rules about distancing, but you know, the practical, the practical stuff. There's not that much out there. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, this is it. And then you know, reaching out to your network and discussing ideas and sharing best practices is obviously mm. the way forward. Isn't it? It, yeah, it, it really, you know, one of the things I've, I've really noticed is how how many businesses have found a more profitable way to run their business, not in spite of it, but because of this, right? Yes, yeah. But my, my, only, my only question would be, how sustainable is that? <clears throat> you know, did, did, did the spike you saw in online, was that mostly from people who were, were current shop goers? There were, there were people who were, who were sort of regulars? Or is it, is it a lot of them, were there new, there new people around the world? Or what sort of made up that customer base? Um, a lot of regulars. But what I'm also seeing... Um, from the membership that I started out of the wardrobe challenges, there's not that many people in it. There's 42 people, 42 founder members, but they're all selling to each other. Yeah. You oh, know? really? So, yeah. So there's a couple of regulars in there and they're posting stuff every day and everybody's like, oh, what, what have you got on? And next thing we see an order coming in for that. So, you know, part of me is thinking I can put my girls into those groups on the days when they're in and it's kind of, we are going to have to figure it out as we're, as we're going along, but I do think there's huge potential for, for growth because of that. Yeah. One of the, one of the things you mentioned was a wardrobe challenge. We've had, a, we've had um, the first time we spoke about challenges as a, as a, as a means to generate new, you know, new leads and, and people interested in the business was with Richard Woods, who came on here with his five-day five day leads challenge with Facebook. Yeah. And wardrobe challenge... Tell us about the wardrobe challenge. This sounds genius, by the way. I think I saw. I think I might have seen a couple of videos of this. It was just uh, basically it was just detox your wardrobe. So you know, based on, and it's funny when when I wrote my book, when I was writing my book last year, I was like, oh my god, like I'm writing a book about clothes. Like I don't even know what to write. But the more I was brain dumping, the more all the other stuff was emerging. The mindset and the things that I'd worked on with customers over all the years, and you know where I see people getting stuck. So, you know, a typical, typical times in life when people get stuck, you know, after they've had a baby or when they hit a big birthday or, you know, after an illness or a divorce or a loss, these are all places that people get stuck in a rut. So as I was writing my book, I was, this was all starting to come to the surface again. And the the book ended up being more about mindset than clothes and how you use the clothes to, how you use it you know, to, to put yourself in a positive frame of mind and all this kind of stuff yeah. and how you evolve so that, you know, you don't get stuck in your 20s. You just keep evolving a little bit all the time. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what I was going through. I was hitting I was hitting on it for five days with people in, in the wardrobe challenge and they just found that it was very fast. Yeah. So they were, you know, they were at breakneck speed. They were getting their wardrobe detox done, but there was a lot of stuff that was being left undone. So really? that's, yeah. So that's where the membership came in. And now I'm kind of writing the course and doing it at a slower pace so that, you know, that I'm really kind of taking people on that journey of just slowly evolving and understanding what it is that we're doing and all the rest. And it seems to be working for them. So, um, 
module three has been re- released this evening. So just even on the first two modules, I'm seeing a lot of um, a lot of aha moments for people, which is cool. So, so um, with your membership, could you could you tell us a little about your? It's an online membership, right? Sorry, I lost you there for a sec. What was that? So with the with the membership, could you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, so the membership, I really hadn't a clue what I was doing, to be honest with you. Um, I had started to follow a couple of people last year that I was really interested in, uh, people like James Wedmore, who does like um, online courses and stuff. So it was kind of all happening around the same time as the book. Um, and Stu, Stu McLaren, who would be, um, he's a bit of a, uh, he's a membership guru. So I was kind of following these guys and it was the idea was coming around that, you know, at some point I would like to have a membership where all my customers are there, um, but I'm serving them at, on a deeper level. So I was kind of, th- these ideas were coming at me, but I didn't really know how to do it. Um, and I still didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I actually did my founder launch when Stu was doing his three-week runway free workshops um, and there was people in there and they were like, oh, I'm going to do my founder member launch. So I was kind of building my, my um, what do you call it? What do you call it? Keynote. I didn't, yeah. even, I didn't know what a keynote was. Um, so I was kind of building, <laughs> clueless, like absolutely clueless. But I was building this as he was going through the workshops. And uh, yeah, I just hit the button on it. And yeah, I'm just going to spend the next eight weeks learning how to do it properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing. Brilliant. I love that. I, th- I think, I think you're being quite humble. I think you've, um, I think, you know, you've done an, an enormous amount, but a, a lot, a lot of, a lot of what I'm getting from you is, is even if you're not completely sure, you still got that assertiveness to put an idea out there and, mm. and it's putting it out there at speed because ultimately yeah. those, those who can act fast and, t- and test things, they're the ones who, who kind of thrive in this sort of environment. Would you, would you agree with that? I think so. And something that I hear a lot is uh, fail fast. Yeah. Fail um, fast. Yeah, you either get the result you want or the lesson that you need. So, yeah. you know, um, this thing of sitting around waiting until everything is perfect—it's such a waste of time because you don't know yeah. if you've got, you don't know if you've got it right. Yeah, this is it. You know, or, or, or spending too long trying to perfect something before you get feedback from the market, or or, yeah. or even the worst—the worst case scenario from what I've seen. Um, you know, speaking to lots of small businesses here is is sort of burying your head in the sand and and you know, hold, holding on until this is all over. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then you know what if this is a two year a two year thing, Absolutely. so um, yeah so yeah so I mean rapidly pivoting pivoting online as you did, and um, one of the questions I always ask in this series um, is is to do with mentorship because I, I feel like um, the most successful people um, that I've that I've spoken to have had a mentor or mentors or or they've been through a course or a program that's really influenced them maybe mm-hmm. not during this pivot but previously um, which has kind of built them up to it. Um, yeah. And you know, giving them the foundation to quickly to quickly get through it and, and have the tools to do that has there, has there been anything like that for you? Absolutely, yeah. And I think that journey started for me about two years ago when I when I did um, <clears throat> when I did the KPI program with Dent Global. That was the start of it, you know. And being in that community, and I loved that whole online community. I loved being in the group. I loved getting in there, talking to people, just connecting with people. I didn't, I had no idea where it was going. I just knew that I loved it. Um, and I've been really active in that. And I think without the support of a group like that and a couple of other ones that I've joined since, I probably wouldn't have had the nerve 
to um, do what I've done and do it so fast. Mm. Yeah. I do think being, being surrounded by people that, you know, think in a similar way and people that you can bounce ideas off is just, it's so important. So, I mean, initially with the, with the, with the key person of influence course, you did the course first and then you were part of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, a, lot, a lot of people that I speak to, especially with the, with the KPI course, you know, it's the course is incredible and it, help, it helps set their business up and, and scale very quickly. But there's a lot of power in the community. Absolutely. I completely agree. And for me, like the, the most value out of it was definitely the community. Mm. Amazing. So yeah, a lot of the time we, I mean, with F10X Academy and what, what we do with our activation courses, we, is we basically help businesses pivot online very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the questions we always get is, you know, a lot, a lot of people come to us and they say, I just want to make the course. I don't want to, I don't want to do a community alongside it. And I say, you're, you're, you're missing 50% of the game by doing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. You know, when, you, when you build a community, you know, who are all aligned, who are all, you know, talking, sharing ideas, sharing best practice, you're getting so much value, you're sharing so much value and your course, it just has this huge injection of meaning. Um, and, you know, it's, it's like this, it's like this tribe, which, which goes out there and, and markets for you essentially, because, you know, they're, they're going to be referring people talking about what you're doing and making connections, making partnerships. And it's all down to, down to, you know, your course, which kind of sparked that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. The community for me is just, it's just so it's so important for the, you know, for the for the whole thing to thrive and to scale. Um, and even there was the people of the people who signed up to do to, to the inner membership, um, the inner circle membership. If they hadn't gone into the Facebook group, I was there and I was emailing them and it's like, get into the group, you know, it's like dragging them into the group. I'm not on Facebook. Yes, you are. Here, I'll set it up for you. You know, it's like, but the yeah, room is there now. Yeah. Supporting each other. That's, that's you know? Another typical one we get is none of my customers are on Facebook. Yeah, right. Everybody's on Facebook. Everyone's on Facebook. <laughs> have, you, have, you asked, have you asked all of your customers if they're on Facebook or not? Because you might be surprised. Oh, a, lot of them would, a lot of them would say I'm not on Facebook. But yeah, some of them, yeah. we've actually got some of them on Facebook. I'm like, oh my God, you're missing out on so much. It's like, yeah, right. no matter what you're interested in, there's a community there. It was like the one that I found about ants. So it's like, let's all pretend we're ants. Yeah. 1.5 million people in the group. <laughs> Talk about a niche. Talk yeah. about a niche, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Yeah, there's some, there's a rich tapestry of groups out there on Facebook. Absolutely. You know? yeah. But definitely, Everything. definitely, it's such a brilliant platform. I mean, look, look what we've got here. And guys watching in Dubai right now, I mean, you know, we've got, we've got over 200 business owners in Dubai watching this with us and you know it's 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 so hard to create something like this on any other platform you know it's it's a brilliant platform to do it Mm -hmm. i totally agree yeah so um i'd like to go to some some sort of of practical advice now what would what would you say are the biggest mistakes that small business owners make during this time or you spotted people make during this time um the probably the biggest mistake that i see people making and you mentioned it earlier is um, sitting, waiting to reopen, uh, thinking nothing's going to have changed, that everything's going to go back to the way it was. That's yeah. That's going to be yeah. That's not going to be good. Um, yeah, that's good. yeah, I think that is the biggest mistake. And like some really intelligent people that are saying, "Oh, we're just going to open up and things are going to continue as normal." I don't think so. Mm. I really don't. 
So I think you've got to, and I think as well, and like another mistake that I see people uh, making, and it was something that I learned very on, on when, um, I won't go into details about it, but I learned this lesson very, very early on in my business. And I learned it the hard way is that you've got to keep evolving. And yeah. I learned it because it's like everybody was talking <clears throat> what I was doing. So if I didn't keep moving, it was too easy for somebody to, you know, to, to swipe in and, you know, take what I was doing and maybe do it better or whatever. So I kind of, was, I knew that I had to keep moving. I had to always be one step ahead and that just became a habit. Um, and, and that's like, I'm always evolving the business. So it's like, well, what comes next? And, you know, what's new, what's new in software? Um, you know, how are people thinking? How is the world evolving? And I think you have to keep evolving your business in line with that. I think if you stand still, you are going to be overrun. Yeah. And it, it takes a lot of courage, you know, to, to consistently evolve, you mm-hmm. know, and, and especially, especially when you're faced with so much adversity, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's not just like, it's not like a, it's not like a small um, change. It's, it's a full-on <laughs> evolution process that a lot of people are going through, right? Especially if you've never really done a lot of online stuff before. Yeah, yeah. That's something else as well. I think a lot of, and I don't know what it's like over there, but certainly a lot of retail here, like clothing retail, had absolutely no online presence at all. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, that's insane. It was insane yeah. before this, you know, and they're all scrambling now to get online and they don't know how to mm. do it and they've – They've resisted, and it's like the, it, it's that resisting change, you yeah. know, which left them in this situation now where they are frantically scrambling. Do do you do you think? And I and I know for you know the high street, especially in the UK, is evolving at a very very fast pace anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, do do you feel that this has just accelerated it, and we and we've jumped five years forward because of what we're doing now? Yes, I do. I think, uh, and certainly when it comes to high street clothing, I think that's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. I think people have become a lot more aware of the environment during this pandemic. Um, I think, think there's going to be a huge turn. Um, and I think anybody who's not addressing that is going to be, they're going to be in trouble as well. Um mm. But certainly it's going to be very interesting to see how it all pans out. It really is. I think, you know, in terms of online and I think it's, it's going to be changed forever. I'm just not quite sure what it looks like yet. Mm. But it it sounds to me like you're ready to, you're ready to evolve and, and seize the moment, seize the opportunity. So, yeah. yeah. And we've got, we've got some great questions on the side here and I've been saving them. So I think I'll just, um, I'll scroll through a couple of these. That's okay. We've got one here from Tim. Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you think all industries are able to pivot and thrive in this crisis? Um, I think, I do think all industries can pivot. I think it's up to the people that are leading them to just put on their creative head and to, just to have, just have a little bit of confidence because basically, you know, it could all go belly up if you don't. Um, I think if you, I think you've nothing to lose at the moment for trying things. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, another question we've got here, uh, Tim again. Uh, what do you believe businesses and entrepreneurs should be investing their time in right now? What crucial assets do you think every company should have? I do think everybody needs to have some form of digital assets in their business, some intellectual property for sure. 
And I think we learned that from writing our books when we were doing mm-hmm. the Person of Influence program. And I see yeah. now that people that have their books, it's like, I even find now I'm going back, I'm going back to my own book. It's never too far away. And I'm constantly flicking things and being able to pull my own content from it. Yeah. I do think having your own, building your own assets, your own um, intellectual property is going to yeah. be really important. We're going to have, um, we're actually interviewing Lucy McGarraher um, later in the, okay. in the month. Um, that'll be really interesting. Yeah. Exactly what you said. One of the one of the biggest, as well as having, as well as the book being. Hold on, you see, it's actually underneath this laptop. Look at that. Boom. There we go. Uh, <laughs> as being a, and now, and now this is going to become a pitch, guys, where you can all you can all grab your <laughs> your, uh, your your special offer on the Warrior Method book, as well as being a really good business card, right? Instead of using a business card, giving someone a book. Um, because it's something that sits on the coffee table or sits in the cupboard for a long time, right? But as well as that, for me, the, the biggest thing I got from writing that book three, two, three years ago now was that, you know, you, you've then got 40, 50,000 words of content you can repurpose, mm-hmm. but it gives you so many insights into developing your methodology, you know, developing assets around it and developing IP, just like you said, you know, and then, mm-hmm. and then this second book that I'm doing now with, um, with Menno, you, I think you know Menno as well. Uh, yes. not, not a victim book again that one there we've got so many assets and you know the methodology has completely changed we've got so much content we can create from that we've just taken that book and turned it into an online course and it just gives mm-hmm. structure to your whole to everything you do do you know what i mean yeah. it's a really valuable it's a really valuable lesson i think it is and the, the, the whole the whole idea that it's all your own thoughts that are gone into that it's like mm. every time i go to my book i'm like this is all mine. It's like, I don't yeah. have to worry about plagiarizing anybody. Not that I would anyway, but you know, it's like that you can go to your own book and you can pull things from it. It's like, yeah, that's amazing. And everybody yeah. has a book in them. Yeah. And, and do you know what, for us, you know, for our team, it's become a bit of a culture asset as well. We ask, we ask anyone who, who joins our, the warrior Academy to read the book and they have to, they have to sit an online exam to show they've read the book and it becomes, you know, it's, it's, it's like a, a manual for how to do yeah. the job. Right? Do you know what yeah. I mean? And Absolutely. so there are so many uses to it, you know, so yeah, I completely agree with you there, you know, really, really interesting. Let's see if we've got any more um, questions up here. Let's have a quick look. Uh, question here. What is the top advice you would give to businesses struggling in these difficult times? What's your number one piece? I know I'm really digging here because you've already given lots of amazing advice. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I think... I think protect your headspace. Yeah, that was one one. Yeah, you have to protect your headspace because on any given day this week, it's there's creative stuff going on. There's having to deal with all the you know the the reopening issues. There's all all the different all the different things, and it's trying to protect your headspace when you're working on one, so that you're not taking all the rubbish and letting it infect everything else. So. Um, I do think protecting your headspace is number one. Um, and just just be brave, you mm. know? Just pull it from somewhere. It's there. It's just get out there and try things. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a, I think that's a great way to, to end an, an awesome interview as well, to be brave and go out there and, and, and try it. You know, yeah. you'll never know until you try it. Exactly, exactly. And try to find groups that are you know, where there's people that are trying to do the same thing. It's like our group. It's just find those groups, find that support, surround yourself with those people and everything is possible. 
amazing. We've got some, some lovely comments here. That's great advice. Uh, love it. Learning so much from this interview. Such cool. a good idea. Amazing advice. Thanks for that. Amazing. Brilliant. And Mary, thank you so much for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. What's the best way for everyone to get in touch with you? Um, I am Mary Grant Designer on Facebook and Instagram, and that's where we're most active. Amazing. Awesome. Thanks again, Mary. Thanks a million, Seb. Lovely to chat. Take care. You Bye. too. Bye. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to be the first to get access to our live interviews, then head over to f10x.com to apply to be a part of our online community.